Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Letter grades in schools, portables in school districts, teacher shortages. I mean, right now it feels like there are so many challenges challenges in our school system. How can they be fixed? Well, the opposition BC United has some ideas on that. Leader Kevin Falcon joins us now to talk about those. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks very much for having me, Simi. Now, you introduced a a four-point pledge or plan yesterday. Why do this? Well, because we want to uh, really focus on improving student engagement while they're at the schools. We want to restore transparency and grading so parents actually know how their kids are doing. We want to protect children's health because we think that's really important. They're, they're young. We want to make sure we protect them from the, the, uh, the evils of vaping. And we also want to follow through on our commitment to get more schools actually built, not just promise them, announce them, re-announce them, but actually get them built. Because in districts like Surrey, where the NDP promised to eliminate all portables in four years, uh, instead they've almost doubled the number of portables, and they're now looking at stacking them. It's just not an acceptable outcome. Okay, I want to work through this. So let's start with the grading at first. So what are you proposing or what is, what is BC United proposing on that? Well, we're, we're frankly aligning ourselves with the majority of teachers and the majority of students even uh, and the majority of parents, the vast majority that say uh, moving to this new approach that the NDP uh, and David Eby have put in place is, is not acceptable because it doesn't tell us enough about how our kids are doing. So they're moving away from letter grading to a new approach that uh, essentially has four categories emerging, developing, proficient, or extending. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, that doesn't tell parents very much about how their kids are doing. And, and, you know, for the life of me, I'd sure like to know why we're moving away from a system that gave clarity, simplicity, and, and frankly, parents uh, and kids supported. Okay, but wait, did this process not start with the former BC Liberals? Because it certainly did for the primary grades. Of course, they're all, the academics are always studying this kind of stuff and bringing forward suggestions. And, uh, you know, but I, I can tell you, I've been around long enough to know that uh, these, you know, a lot of these so-called uh, professionals and people in academia, very good people, many of them, uh, but I don't accept their recommendations as gospel, and nor should this government, particularly when they took the idea out to the public. They did a, a really wide-ranging um, you know, a consultation, effectively, and the vast majority of people said, no, please don't do this. We don't like it, including teachers. Okay, so are you pledging to change it for the older grades, keep it for the younger grades? Like, what exactly is it? Well, the NDP have said that they're uh, now every grade from uh, grade one to nine will now uh, no longer have letter grades. We would restore that back to letter grades so the parents know how their kids are doing. Right through from grade one to nine? That's right. Okay, because that would be a big change because those younger grades have been doing this for a while. I I know. Uh, Trust me, I know. I've got uh, kids in the younger grades, and I look at the report cards, and as usual, I'm left uh, without any information about really how well my daughters are doing. I I just, I I think we've, uh, we can do a lot better. Okay, and let's talk as well about another point then. You talked about a smartphone ban. What does this entail? Well, this is important because, look, uh, the evidence increasingly is, is pouring in that, that, that smartphones, while they have some good aspects, uh, they've got some really troubling aspects, especially for young people, especially for girls. Um, and <clears throat> frankly, I think that uh, for six hours of the day, our kids can go to school 
and not be distracted by the incessant use of smartphones while they're in the schools. We hear increasingly from teachers, from principals, administrators of the distraction that these smartphones are causing for kids. Are causing for kids. And so what we're suggesting is kids can still bring their smartphones to school, but that we fund uh, smartphone lockers so that they can lock them up when they get to school and spend six hours of the day undistracted so that they can focus and pay attention to their learning environment and be able to play in the fields uh, like normal kids without sitting there on their phones okay, uh, fun, during lunch and recess. Fun smartphone lockers for every school? That sounds expensive. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, there will be a cost, but I think there's a huge benefit. Uh, you know, this is so often the case in public policy, we ignore the cost that we're seeing right now in terms of learning outcomes. We've got, in the last five years, under this NDP government, actually, declining literacy and numeracy rates. That's not me saying it. That's the FSA results. And, you know, when we've got declining reading and, and mathematics skills happening in our school system, uh, frankly, I think you can tie some of that to the fact that kids are often distracted on smartphones. The evidence is, is piling up around that. And wow. I think the right thing to do is make sure they're focused on what they ought to be focused on. I feel like debating the FSA results is another segment entirely. But le- le- I want to ask you about the school construction thing, because that's an important one. Yes. Lots of portables and series you mentioned, obviously a contentious issue in that community. What are you pledging to do about that? Well, first of all, it's not just in that community. I, I'm in the Comox Valley, and, and I can tell you in co- co- sorry, Courtney and Comox and Nanaimo and, and major um, you know, communities right across the province, there is a huge problem with the lack of schools getting built. And I don't think, I, I should be clear here, I don't think it's because the government doesn't want to build schools. I, I do think they genuinely want to do it. It's just that they don't know how to get things done. Uh, there's a lack of a skill set in government to know how to accelerate and get projects built. I've been involved in the private sector and the public sector in building billions of dollars worth of of projects. I know how to get things done, Uh, whether it was the Canada Line, the Evergreen Line, the Portman Bridge, Pitt River Bridge, Sea to Sky Highway, whatever the case may be. But you've got to know how to accelerate these things and hold people accountable for getting results. And instead, what we're getting is these, uh, you know, these very frustrating announcements and re-announcements of schools that have yet to start construction. And I think they have to focus more on getting results. Okay. Now, your pledge says ensure timely and on-budget school construction. I mean, yeah. that sounds good, but are you talking about more schools? And if so, how many? And will you plan for the future in those schools? Yes. Well, of course, we need more schools in almost every district. I mean, just look at the immigration numbers coming into the province. We have to get ahead of the fact that we've got, you know, a couple hundred thousand people moving into British Columbia every single year. And that's putting strain on our healthcare system, on our education system, on the housing sector. And just like in housing, you know, where unfortunately government has spent the last six years focusing on the wrong end of the problem, they've been adding new costs to housing and taxes, uh, focusing only on the demand side, but doing very little to actually increase supply. It's no different with schools. We need a focus to get these schools built so that we've got those classrooms and, and uh, folks available when those students arrive. Okay, that's also expensive. This is more money. Are you pledging more money for this then? Yeah, but I'd also do it a little, a lot more smartly. So right now with this NDP government, they have uh, this very misnamed program called Community Benefit Agreements, which I call Community Ripoff Agreements, which mean that may, many of their capital projects are built using only designated unions are allowed to bid on these projects, and it excludes 85% of the workers in our province. That has driven up unnecessarily 
necessarily the cost of a lot of these projects. So, for example, I'm on the island here, the couch and hospital, which was supposed to cost $600 million, is now at $1.2 billion and counting. And that does not provide a single penny of additional benefit to the, lo- to the taxpayers of this province. It's just adding more unnecessary costs because of how the NDP procure capital projects to favor their union friends. That makes no sense. We've got to be smart about how we build capital. Do you have a number on that, though? Like how many new schools can you estimate that a potential BC United government could build? I, I don't have that number, to be honest, Simi, and uh, I, I just I wouldn't want to throw in a, a number irresponsibly either. I just I think it's more about we've got the capital in the budgets. We just have to focus on the execution of getting them actually built. That's where this government stumbles and fumbles. They don't know how to get things done on the ground. They know how to make announcements. They even know how to put aside dollars. They just don't know how to get things uh, going in the ground. And a final note here on the vaping issue. You've got enhanced efforts to prevent youth vaping. How do you do that? Well, first of all, we need to ban the flavored vaping. You know, uh, a lot of the flavors out there, whether it's cotton candy or candy cane or cherry, these are all de- these are all uh, about going after children and kids. We've got to protect them. We need to raise the age uh, to 21 for vaping. We need to eliminate the flavored vaping because I think that's a big problem that, that actually gets children involved. In a lot of the schools right now, the teachers tell me that the kids are texting each other, to, the older kids uh, are texting each other to go meet in the bathroom so they can vape. That creates an environment where the younger kids come in and feel very intimidated, don't want to use the bathrooms, etc. So we, look, I, I think this is about looking after our kids' health. And the bottom line is we've got a, a huge amount of kids now involved in vaping. That's not good for their health. We ought to act more aggressively. We've We've been pushing the provincial government on this. We'll continue to do so. All right, interesting one. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks very much for having me, Simi. That's Kevin Falcon, leader at BC United. Now, what do you think about some of those points? Obviously, the opposition is going to try to score on these ones. We're a year away from a provincial election.